We're so happy you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story to pastor at relevant316.com. If you want to support this ministry financially, hop on our website at relevant316.com. There you'll find different giving options to suit your needs. Once again, thanks so much for joining us today. Amen. We, we are all trying so hard to live a better life. We're all trying to, to figure this life thing out. And today we're starting a new series called Life Hacks. So today's going to be the first installment, but I guarantee you it gets gooder and gooder as the installments go. So come back. I know, like, you know, it's Easter. You go to church. But you can come back next Sunday. We don't charge admission. Fifth Sunday, we might, but you're safe for the next four weeks. We'll be covering this life, life hacks. We'll be, we'll be talking about depression. We'll be talking about um, uh, 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 how, to, how to feel as if you are secure. Are you guys with me this morning? But we're, we're trying to figure life out. And, and it's interesting because uh, whenever someone in your life is trying to get their health better, it's as if they want you to join them on their journey. It's like, listen, I don't need the keto, paleo, whatever it is that you're doing. Leave me alone. I want to eat more than just grass and bark. Okay? The steak is, come on, if it's gluten-free or gluten-full, I don't care. It's steak. I'm eating it. On a seafood diet, I see it and I eat it. Amen. But we, we try to find the different diets, the different workout regimen, the different um, uh, 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 diet plans and meal plans and all these different things. We try to find that magic bullet. Like, you know, I started drinking this, this protein shake, and in like three weeks, I've lost 50 pounds. It's like, what happened, you know? Are you sure it's all safe for you? It's like, you know, you got this little twitch. It's like. <laughs> you buy the gadget. You buy the. That bike thing that, that you can put in your living room and it stays there for like three months, but you don't use it. So now it becomes where you hang your clothes. <laughs> All trying to find that fix, but we're never, ever satisfied by what the world tries to sell us. We never find true happiness. And the thing about it is that you can mess around and find some success, Chris, and once you finally arrive and you get all that you desired, you discover that it's not enough. You're still empty. You're still wanting more. And, and then you're like, why did I work so hard to get what I got? And now what I got does not measure up to what I thought it would measure up to. And the cycle continues and continues and continues. Put your hope in all these different things, but nothing works. Today I want to deposit into your heart, into your spirit, into your life, that the only thing that makes life better, the number one thing that makes life better is forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's, it's a new F word, forgiveness. We, we often don't want to use the word I forgive you, but if you start forgiving people, if you start effing some people up with some forgiveness. Oh, yeah, we should call this the F life. I'm living the F life. What? I'm forgiven. And I walk in forgiveness. I embrace forgiveness. I extend forgiveness. Forgiveness is what I do. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, I was forgiven. Oh, man, I just got myself in trouble. The effed life. My life is effed right now. The thing about it is that you can go through life and you're, you're trying to get all these things. And, and it's like it eats at your spirit. It eats at your heart because nothing satisfied, satisfies you. I want to tell you guys, I want to consider the story of, 
of David and Absalom this morning. The story itself covers about eight to ten chapters of scripture in 2 Samuel. Now, I'll give you a little bit of the backdrop. Now, now, I might get in trouble for saying this, but in, in church, Game of Thrones has nothing on the Bible. Like, like if they were to do, like if HBO was to say, you know what, forget making up stories. We're just going to go to the Word. And if they just covered like ten chapters in 2 Samuel, man, Christians would ban the TV shows. Like, no, we can't watch the story of David. It's too graphic. It's too graphic. He had so many sons. He had so many concubines. His son Solomon, I can't remember how many wives he had. He had all this splendor, all this rich. And now the thing about it is that we only think of David only having a few children. We think of Solomon, his most famous son. But the thing is that he had dozens upon dozens of kids. Why? Because he had dozens upon dozens of wives. A man after God's own heart. You can be after God's heart in, in, in your heart, but your mind will make some stupid decisions. And David made some very crazy decisions in his life. One day, after he's experiencing all his victory and, and enjoying the splendor of everything that he wanted, and, and, and God has given him all the wives that he could ever have, God literally says, I gave you all the wives you wanted, but you still could not be satisfied. Something was eating at him, and so he goes up to the top rooftop of his house and looks over and sees his neighbor's wife, and that's where HBO takes over. <laughs> or Skinamax, whatever you want to call it. He makes a mistake, and that mistake compounds in that as he raises up his family and tries to rule the kingdom, his family is in shambles. He, now, now, he had a, all these sons and all these kids. Now, there were, one day they were at a party. Family party, family reunion. And one of his sons looks across the way and sees one of his daughters and says, Man, are you sure we're related? I'm like, no, that's your sister. That's really your sister. Same daddy. Are you sure she's not a sister from another, another mister? No, that, that's David's daughter. Her name was Tamar. And Tamar had a brother named Absalom. This young man goes over and says, oh, really, I'm just in love with my sister. Literally says it from the scripture. I, he was in love with his sister. Goes to his father and says, please, have my sister come and make a meal for me. And when the sister comes, when Tamar came into his tent to deliver the meal, he, said, Do, he, he calls her into his inner chamber says, come over here and feed, me, feed the food into my mouth. It will bless me so much. And he goes on and he rapes her. As he's raping her, he feels sick of her, and he kicks, out of, kicks her out of the, 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 the tent. Absalom hears about it, and he's furious, furious. For two years, for two years, he, he hides the conspiracy of wanting to kill his brother who killed his sister. Does this sound like HBO now? He, cons he conspires to kill this man. For two years, he pretends as if everything is fine. Hey, how are you, brother? Oh, bro, bro. <laughs> For two years, he tells the story. He did that to me, and I'm going I'm to get him. I'm going to get him. Finally, they're having another party. And he's devised a plan. When he's had a little bit too much wine, come behind him and stabs him and kills 
his brother. David, the father, the king, the man after God's own heart, never did anything to fix the brokenness that was happening in his house. And now his son, Absalom, he banishes him away from the kingdom, says, you can't be around here. I'm supposed to kill you. But instead of forgiving, the conspiracy continues. Are you guys with me? So he's banished. And for that time that he's banished, all Absalom is thinking is, Daddy is a no good daddy. He didn't fix this. He has all these things happening. If I get the kingdom, I'm going to give, I'm going to finally find justice. So he conspires his way back into the kingdom. When he comes back into the kingdom, David says, you can be here, but I'm not going to look at your face. You're never to come into my house. He sends him to his own house, says he's to never step foot in my house. Oh, I'm talking about somebody's daddy right now. So he's like, I need to have relationship. I need to be in a place of position and proximity to David. And so what he does is that he finds out that his neighbor is Joab. And Joab is very close to the king. And so what he does is he sets Joab's field of wheat on fire. Ever wonder why, you know, people do things to get attention from their daddy? It's, It's in the Bible. Sets the field on fire. Joab comes to Absalom and says, Absalom, why'd you set my field on fire? I want to get an audience with my dad. So he gets the audience with the dad. And then in chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, if you'll read with me real quick here. It says, after this, Absalom got himself a chariot of horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, from what city are you? And when he said, your servant is from such, such tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, see your claims are good and right, but there's no man designated by the king to hear you. If I was running this place, I'd have someone who'd hear your concerns. But my dad, he's so busy, he's busy with Bathsheba, you know how he is. He's busy throwing his parties, busy doing all this. Listen, if you ever need anything, I got you, bro. That's what's happening. Does this happen on your job? This happens in churches, not relevant church. Oh, if I, I can't even get an appointment with the pastor. But listen, if I was in charge, I'd make sure that he would be available to you 24-7. Verse 3, Absalom would say, see, your claims are good and right, but there's no man designated to, by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, oh, that I were a judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or a cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Thus Abraham did to all of Israel, to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And eventually, he kicks his father out of the throne, and his father goes into hiding, takes over and declares himself king. Unforgiveness will block, if you're taking notes, unforgiveness will block the plan of God on your life. Instead of living in the plan of God, you'll start walking in the conspiracy of your evil. 
How many years has Absalom, ever since Tamar was raped and, 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 and all that happened to her, and, and then he killed his brother, and now here he is taking the throne from his dad, wanting to kill his father. Oh, that's for free. I'll say, I'll say that for later on. I got something for you. He does all these things. And Abraham, I'm, I'm sorry, David, is now on the run. He's on the run. It says he crossed over to the Kidron Valley. In shame, walking barefoot, weeping, he went to the Mount of Olives. Now, two kings had an experience on the Mount of Olives. One was disgraced and full of shame. The other was going to the Mount of Olives for your victory and your deliverance. Oh, man. Blocks, unforgiveness blocks the plan of God over your life. Here's the thing about it. Absalom is described as being one of the most handsome men that ever lived. In in chapter 13, it says that he had no defect on his body. He was perfect. He was blameless. They say his hair, at the end of the year, he would shave his head and his hair would weigh 200, it would would sell for 200 shekels. this, This man was GQ, Cosmo, I don't know all the different magazines. Ebony, Essence, I don't know. Page number 52, you know, those are those, that page, you know. You'll get that later. <laughs> my, my people know. <laughs> You've been branded with fire. It's the people who build their lives on the revelation of who Jesus is that will stand strong. You've That's been not part of the message. With fire. Someone was YouTubing during the message. (laughs) He could have been the greatest king. He could have been a great general. But he took matters into his own heart, own hands, because he had unforgiveness in his heart. Number two, unforgiveness will block the potential of all your future relationships. It will block the potential of all your future relationships. David, come up here real quick. Real quick, David. And um, let's see. Come on, come on up here. My man from Arizona, come on. All right. Do any of you have back issues? You have back, okay. Yeah, yeah, no back issues. All right, cool. So here's here's what happens. When you're carrying unforgiveness, what's happening is that you're carrying all this stuff and it's blocking all your future relationships, all right? I I, I had a a, a session with with a couple at another church and, 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 and they'd been married before, and so we're talking, and, and, and the husband's like, well, she does this, she does that. And so I asked her, do you do these things? And she's like, I don't know what he's talking about. And, I'm, and I looked at him like, bro, tell me about your former wife. Oh, yeah, she used to do this, she used to do that. So she's doing the same thing. That, did you marry the same person? He says, no. And I'm like, the thing is that you're still carrying baggage from your former relationship, and you're bringing it into this relationship because you never forgave that other person or asked for forgiveness from that person, and so now your relationship is completely blocked, not because of this new person, but because you never dealt with your other person. So this is what's happening here. Uh, uh, David, come stand over here. Let's see. How am I going to work this out? All right. This is not going to – no, you stand over there. And face us. And face us. Come here, David. All right. Now, now you face him. This is what it looks like when you're walking in unforgiveness. 
You're carrying the baggage of this other relationship and trying, go over, go over to him and trying to find relation. Now hug him. And the hug cannot be connected unless he lets go of this thing that he's carrying. Thank you. You're carrying all this resentment and all this harm. Oh, you know what they did. You know what they did. And you can't connect with the people in front of you. I wonder why your relationships are epic fails. You haven't forgiven someone. You have not asked for forgiveness. You're carrying resentment. Resentment is, is from the Latin word resento. Everyone say resento. resento. Let's say it again. Resento. resento. Oh, put a little Latin twist to it. Resento. resento. Yeah, you came to church and you... You learn some Latin. Resento is two words. One meaning re, which means to do it again. Regroup, rejoice, reprise, revisit, remix, reserve. Means to do it again, right? Zento means to feel the cut again. To feel the cut. So all you're doing when you're carrying resentment against someone is that you're cutting yourself over and over again, over and over again, thinking that you're going to be healed. Absalom is living a life filled with resentment. And here's the thing. People say, well, I forgave him, but I can't forget. I can't forget. And when you say that you can't forget, you're just saying that God's story and what he did on the cross and his resurrection is not a big enough story for you. Oh, come on. Let me not. Let me not. Bible tells us that, that when, when Jesus, what he does with your sin is he puts it in the seat of forgetfulness. It's not as if God all of a sudden gets Alzheimer's or dementia concerning your past. It's not the case. It's just that he chooses to not carry the burden of your past sin anymore. But here you are saying, oh, I'm never going to forget what they did to me. And all it's doing is you drinking the poison hoping the other person dies. You suffocating, hoping the other person's choking. It imprisons you. Point number three, imprisons you in the past. It keeps you in the past. And you know what it does? Is that it turns you into the person that you hate. It turns you into the person that you hate. You want to, can I make it clear? Absalom hated his dad, because his dad was such a, he did not enact any justice when things needed to be fixed, right? So what he does, this is in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. Better than Game of Thrones, telling you right now. Do not watch Game of Thrones. Read the Bible. Amen. <laughs> it's way better. So here's what happens. Why did, he, why did the whole conflict begin? His brother raped his sister. Absalom, fast forward, is now kicked out his dad. He's killed his brother. He's now sitting as king in Israel. Guess what he does as the first thing? He finds his dad's concubines, brings them on the rooftop of the palace, puts a tent up there, and in front of the entire nation, rapes each and every one of his dad's women. He became that which he hated. He hated the raper. Look at him. That's what unforgiveness will do to you. 
That's what resentment will do to you. Because if you keep telling the story over and over again, guess what? You're giving yourself instructions. Everything that you keep saying over and over again and rehearsing is what you will eventually practice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what happens, Nicole. You meet someone, and the first story says, oh, you don't know my past. You know what they did to me. I can't trust people who drive Volkswagens. <laughs> Why? Because my ex-husband drove a Volkswagen. He was a drunk. All Volkswagen drivers are drunks. <laughs> Have you ever met someone, you just you, you kind of just say, I don't like that person. Ever meet people like that? No, I, I just don't like. You don't even know their story. You don't even know where they come from. But something just tells you, I don't like that person. What it is is that they're reminding you of some person in your past that you didn't forgive or you didn't ask forgiveness from. And so now when you see them, there's a click. It's something that clicks and says, oh, you're like that person. And the resentment builds up all over again. So, fast forward with four minutes left here. Absalom becomes king, kicks out his dad. His dad is in hiding, Mount of Olives, walked in shame. Some of his loyal men come to him and say, you know what, we know where Absalom's at. Let's go ahead and take care of this sucker. And so he says this. He says something very interesting that I, I, I have to make sure that you, you catch because it's very, very important you catch this part of, 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 of the heart of David. He was messed up as a man, messed up as a king, but his heart was a heart after God's heart. Second Samuel verse 15, 18, verse 5, it says this. It says that uh, when, when they found out where, where Absalom was, they devised a plan to go and, and go into battle. To take back the kingdom. And so watch what happens. In verse 5 it says, And the king ordered Joab and Abishai and Ittai, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. Give loving kindness and mercy to Absalom. I know that the rules of engagement when someone has acted in treason is to kill them. That's what justice demands. But when you see my young man, Absalom, deal gently. Give him grace for, watch what he says, for whose sake? My sake. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like preaching up in this place. For my sake. For my sake. God does not look at your life and say, I'm going to give you grace because you're such a cool person, Nicole, because you're so awesome, because you're amazing, AJ, because Vince, oh, you have a sense of humor, I, and I'm going to make sure that you get saved because you, we need your humor in heaven. <laughs> he doesn't look at you and, and look at your attributes and says, and, and says I'm going to deal kindly with these people. He says, deal kindly with them. Why? They're not righteous, but I am. For my sake and my reputation, deal kindly with them. Worship team, I don't need you up here. I can go back. <laughs> deal kindly with them for my sake. And what happens is this, is that they go to battle. And Absalom is, is on his mule. There was another king that rode on a mule into Jerusalem. And they say, scholars say, at near the very same spot as he's riding the mule, Absalom gets caught in a tree and the mule leaves. 
And now he's hanging on a tree. There's another king that hung on a tree. As he's hanging on the tree, Joab is told that Absalom is hanging on a tree. Joab takes three spears. And to confirm his death, they drive those spears into Absalom's side. There's another king who had a spear driven into his side. And Absalom dies. And when he dies, the the soldiers run back to David proclaiming and declaring good news. Peace is now in the land. Your enemy has been defeated. There's another king whose death on a tree brought about a peace. Oh, man, I feel like preaching in this place. But I only have one minute left. As he hung on that tree, side pierced, the soldiers ran back to David. In chapter 18, we hear of David receiving the news. Verse 31 of chapter 18 says, And behold, the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, Good news for my Lord, the king. For the Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king said to the Cushite, only thing that the king is concerned with is his son. Because he he knew that he could win a battle, but losing his son would mean losing the war. He asked, Is it well with the young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all those who rose up against you for the evil be like that man. Verse 33, And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Would I have died in your place? David is like, I wish I'd have died. If I'd have taken my, they'd have taken my life and you live. And God sometimes will take people through a reverse metaphor in scripture in order to preach the gospel to you and I. Because there's another king who sat on the throne in heaven who said, David, you could have never died for Absalom to make Absalom right. I'm going to send another king who will die in his place. And his death will bring forgiveness that you could not extend, forgiveness that you could not receive, because that forgiveness is not pure. But my forgiveness is 100% guaranteed. I'm going to send my son, Jesus. It's interesting. The reverse metaphor of scripture. Are you ready for it? Can I give it to you? You promise to go back home and study it on your own? You promise to not go home and watch Game of Thrones but read 2 Samuel chapter 10 through 20? Jesus descended the same way that David flees in the Kidron Valley. Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples in John 18 verse 1. He crossed over to die. Are you with me? He crossed over and died on a tree. He was pierced in the side, just as Absalom. Why did he do this? To bring peace for you and I. Absalom's name means father of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. Absalom was a prince, 
But his, he didn't bring peace to the nation. He brought rebellion. And the Prince of Peace comes and brings peace to all people. Are y'all with me? Brings peace. He restores peace. That's why we celebrate today. He conquered day, death. And he rose again on the third day. Do you know what the power of the resurrection is? If, if Jesus had died, and that's all that there was to the story, you could almost say that forgiveness is a one-time event. But the fact that he got up and he continues to live, if you read scripture, it doesn't say that Christ rose. The angels came and said, he is risen. Right now, he is risen. Do you know what that means? Is that you is forgiven. You is forgiven. It is a continual thing that you get to walk out and live in by accepting Christ into your life. His death brought peace. So that you can live in peace and walk in peace and forgive all those who, who hurt you and receive forgiveness. Sometimes the forgiveness is for yourself. Now we're at this point where we get to either accept the forgiveness, walk in the forgiveness, or go back to the resentment that's brought nothing but death in our life. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. We'd love to stay connected with you. Find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Relevant Riverside. We hope you have a great week.